Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt. I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello. A little bit later, myself and Jerry are going to be looking back at a wonderful week in Bournemouth with the Lib Dems. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you can't laugh at that. Well, it's just the thought of spending a week with the Lib Dems in Bournemouth. And then we'll be, uh, and then we'll be crowning our Brexiteer of the week, as always. But first, Steve, Boris Johnson. Well, what a week it's been for Boris Johnson. Quite. I think this is the end of Boris Johnson now, isn't Do it? You? Yeah, I think that his, uh, I think the uh, temporary show of unity put on in New York and in Florence uh, is just that, very temporary, obviously false. Uh, I think that lots of people were wound up by what he did uh, last week, which we will go through. Uh, we will go through um, once again now, and I think that. He will either soon be... I think he'll soon be out of the Cabinet. I think he'll either become the chairman of the Tory party or uh, he will he will be the... I mean, he might... Bizarrely, because of the Daily Telegraph were the ones who printed this extraordinary screed, uh, he might be the next editor of the Daily Telegraph, he might be the next editor of The Sun. That's, been, that's a rumour that's been knocking around for a long time. I'm not happy about these politicians coming in and swooping our jobs. Yeah, imagine that. It's hard have... enough being a journalist in this day and age without politicians taking your job. Why didn't she sack him? She's too weak to sack him. Mm. There's too many people who agree with him. Don't want to be seen a, 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 as in as big a mess as they are in. But, yeah, just too weak to get rid of him. And so this open insubordination uh, can, can take place. So just to review it again, on last... Friday, so um, this this comes out on a Friday, as you know. So a week ago today, Fraser Nelson article in Friday's Daily Telegraph saying, "What's happened to Boris Johnson? Is he in hiding? Is he her? What is what? What's happening? Why isn't he there?" Let's say let's let's say that Boris Johnson probably saw that in advance on Thursday. Maybe he saw it on social media on Thursday night if he wasn't tipped off about it um, uh, before that. So Saturday. Saturday's Daily Telegraph then has this extraordinary 4,000-word... Well, it's 4,000 words of word soup, isn't it, basically? Uh, No... Just no going back on stuff that he's said before. A very hard line on Brexit um, and uh, and, and uh, so just some extraordinary moments. I think the the most extraordinary moment, as as has been said before, is that one part of his ten point my ten point plan for a successful Brexit. One part of it was 
Brexit will be a success, this country will succeed, and we will succeed mightily. Yes, and that's, I can fly. That's yeah. That's not a yeah. That's not a point in a in a plan for a successful yeah. Brexit. That's just saying it will happen. That's like saying my my ten point plan for the meeting that I've got in a minute is that I'm going to go in and go, this is my first point, is that I'm wearing a, some yellow underpants today. True. And I think they're really great. <laughs> they are. I'm not wearing any underpants. Oh, yikes. Listen, listeners. <laughs> okay. Why, is he, is he trying to become a martyr? That was my second thought on this one. Is he trying to get sacked? Well, I think he, I think he knows that this isn't going his way, is he? Mm. That whatever happens in Florence, it will be some kind of a softening of... Uh, of position obviously the timing for us with this Florence speech is bad but I'm assuming we're assuming that Theresa May is not going to do the decent thing and resign publicly in Florence uh, or say that this has all been a terrible mistake and and can we come back please so uh, I think that he senses that things are going away from him there is a mood in the country isn't there I think there are some people who voted for Brexit that just assumed that we would just be out of Europe the next day without any of the... Oh, Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Without considering any of the enormous practicalities. And I think he, he sees something in that and can position himself as leader of, of some kind of well, protest wing, provisional wing of the hard Brexiteers. Obviously, yeah. you know... As, as Mitch Ben says in this week's superb New European, there is also a bit of, you know, I, I think there is some truth in, in in Mitch's theory that he sees Jacob Rees-Mogg becoming the the face of the uh, the hard Brexiteers and and thinks, well, I should have a bit of that as well. Yeah, but it really is amazing, you know. I mean, the the three hundred and fifty million thing, we cannot get away from him. He says in that that. Once we've settled our accounts in this Telegraph piece, we will take back control of roughly £350 million per week. It would be a fine thing, as many of us have pointed out, if a lot of that money went on the NHS. So that is the thing. And almost immediately he's in a row with the uh, statistics guy. And, uh, and we know that the £350 million figure is complete fabrication from the start, isn't it? Even a generous reading of 350 million generous to the, the vote leave campaign suggests that once you take into account rebates this, that, that money never leaves the country that the figure that we send or that we send is nearer to 250 million pound a week and we get between 85 and 90 million pounds of, of that directly back in subsidies so to to complain about this is is just to say that is just extraordinary to double down on that is is remarkable and it goes to a pattern of flamming up fabrication porky pies call it what you want this guy is just a serial at it you know he's been called out on it over the the course of the week it's some extraordinary moments in the in the sort of the follow-up material um which came out i thought that it was Utterly remarkable. There's a great piece by Tim Shipman and Bojan uh, Panchevsky in the Sunday Times, uh, which said that he'd made a speech to Leave campaigners, an anniversary speech in June, uh, where he said he was really upset by claims that he'd lied in the campaign and said that he hadn't lied. Mm. No, I mean, they knew that the 350 million is a lie. It is a lie. It, it, it's the, the first 100 million 
comes back in, re- doesn't leave in re- because of rebates, which Mrs Thatcher organised, and much of it is returned in subsidies, and then the rest of it we pay for. So that is just fabrication. The day before this, of course, we saw that the, the great interview when he went to, to um, uh, Anguilla, and um, uh, on Channel 4, he flew in on a plane, yeah. and he said, interviewer, I think it was Channel 4, it may was. have been Newsnight, it was Channel 4, yeah. great, said to him, these people need food and water, and he said, well, it's fine, because the plane that I've just landed on yeah. is laden with aid, yeah. and it wasn't. No. And it I'm was easily proved. The red bus I've just arrived yeah. on is full of £350 million f- pounds worth of and aid. And it's theirs. Yeah. <laughs> so for the Anguillan NHS, you know. He also said that, you know, he was losing friends about this. Didn't he? And, and well, he you he and him used to be quite close. Well, we, we, we've not talked since. But he said, you know, he's people. He's having some trouble dinner parties and stuff like this. And it is like trouble with the ladies. This is like Hannibal Lecter saying, "Why doesn't anyone invite me round anymore?" <laughs> do you know? It's because you keep eating people. No more of that, Boris. Um, do you know where I'll be a week today? A week today. Yeah. Are you excited? Have you packed your bucket and spade? Well. A week today, I will be going behind enemy lines. Behind enemy lines? Yes. <laughs> Go on. It'll be like that film Dunkirk. It will be. And that Nigel's film's a favourite favorite of Nigel, and I'm expecting to run into Nigel at some point. Yes. Because I'm going to Torquay for the United Kingdom Independence Party. Could conference. there be any more fit in place? Actually, I mean, I like Torquay. I've been to Torquay on a few occasions, mm. it is very, it's very beautiful. Yeah, it is. There are some very nice places to stay. Yes. But, obviously, the faulty towers nature of Torquay means that uh, it's the ideal place for the coronation of Anne-Marie Waters as yeah. the new leader of UKIP, which yeah. is going to happen. Well, you predicted this for some weeks now. Yeah. Because she, she was certainly the favourite, and then she sort of dipped, didn't she? But then, and you were still backing her then, I have to say. Yeah. Um, she, yeah, I think, um, I mean, Peter Whittle was the man in possession. He's had a fairly lacklustre campaign, not really helped by uh, an endorsement from Paul Nuttall, which, <laughs> you know, thanks for yeah. that, Paul. Cheers. Um, and uh, Henry Bolton, who I think is the only, the, he's the only one who any member of any other party any politician from any other party would really fear as being UKIP leader is is too moderate. Mm. So Anne-Marie Waters, I think most of the votes have probably been done now. The result will be announced on 29th of September, uh, which is the Friday, which is next Friday. Mm-hmm. UKIP is, is going to turn into a, you know, from a collection of old eccentric people who, you know, you know, let's let's be charitable and say that some of them have a huge love of this country and independence for this country, and there are some fellow travellers in there with more sinister means. It's going to turn from a party that embraces those kind of people into a far-right party of Islamophobia and hate, which can attract the sort of people who follow people like... Tommy Robinson and previously followed people like Nick Griffin. Um, it's the end. It will be the end of you. It's the it, end of Boris it's, Johnson. It's the end of UKIP. Yeah. Probably eighteen of their MEPs will resign. I, I expect to see. If I'm not, I'm still not absolutely. Do you think convinced? But I, but I think I can see why she's the favourite. But I think that if she is crowned, then I will be witnessing the the end of UKIP. 
Yeah. And I think those guys, you know, in their tweed and, and, and whatnot will go and do something else. I think they'll go and form something else somewhere. Yeah. I mean it's not like it's not like creating a whole new party like it would be for the for the centrists because they've got MPs to sit with them. That's not an issue for Yuki Bizzy. No, so no, no, exactly. I think I think they would re emerge somewhere, probably with Nigel at the helm. Yes, they? Exactly. Um, but I think and I imagine some I imagine there's some talks like that going on already. But yeah, I'm Murray Waters will take you keep onto the street and outside mosques. Yes, and uh, that's not good for anyone. No, I don't think so. No, it'll be a much more provisional UKIP, and it'll be it'll well, it's it's a very depressing vista. Again, you know, the last election was one the last leadership election that Paul Nuttall won was won by a very small turnout. Um, I think another thousand people have joined the party since Nuttall resigned, or more than that. Uh, most of them will go for Anne-Marie Waters. Yeah. If you want to know who's going to win this, in my view, search Twitter and you will see literally scores, if not hundreds, of ballot papers, uh, photos of people's ballot papers with a cross in them by Anne-Marie Waters' name. And, and in a, you know, it's going to take five or 6,000 only to win this election. She, yeah. I think she is going to win. Yeah, yeah. Well, if I was putting money on it, it would certainly be... Listen, she's odds on with four bookmakers. Yeah, now, bookmakers yeah. rarely get it wrong. Done deal. Perhaps a bit of a bigger event, however, before that, Brighton and Labour Party conference. So let's just yes. let's just rattle through a quick preview of that. I think, interestingly, this week we had the NEC and the McDonnell rule, of course, a little bit watered down because yeah. it's ten percent rather than the five percent. But what did go through the NEC? So now it needs to go through the hall. But we would expect that to happen. Yeah, because most of the most of the people will be in that hall. It's almost two thirds, isn't it, of the delegates are? Yeah, I think it would have been close. I think it would have been closer if it had been five percent. I think there is a there is a belief among the Labour Party members and a lot of the MPs that you know if they if they were going to reduce it, then it had to be somewhere in the middle. I think to be fair to to the Cor- to the Corbyn and McDonnell elements, that seems to be something like a compromise. So I think that'll be yeah. looked on kindly by those who maybe weren't for it. That'll make a that'll make a big difference of course the Labour Party going forward but I think that it's not because it's not the 5% I don't think that's going to be a flashpoint that it might have been at conference. We also had this extraordinary outburst at the NEC this week by Peter Willsman who's a member of the NEC whereby he said that people who don't back Jeremy Corbyn should be attacked Attacked? MPs who don't back the leadership should be attacked Now, How are they going to be attacked? Well, to be fair to Pete I don't think he meant with a cricket bat. No, I think he meant verbally. But nonetheless, for for it's a, not very for a side of the party, that's, is it? Yeah, that's been having a go at the Blairites and the you know the, the yeah, censorists yeah. to then start saying that, and especially a party who had a, an MP who was killed not so long ago as yes. well. I think it's fairly distasteful, and that's going to be still in the background at Labour Party conference. We won't hear it for cries of. Ooh, Jeremy Corbyn, I'm sure. But there in the background, there is still a lot of unrest in this party. Do you agree? Yes, very much so. I mean, I think the, the, the treatment of, of um, Chucker Amuna is going yeah. to be really interesting. Yeah, and because, Chucker. Because, the, because the, the, the Corbynistas hate him, yes. frankly, don't yes. they? And do you know what? To be fair to Chucker, he's not, um, he's not going to hide away. No. He is the most visual at the fringe of all uh, the MPs. He's literally everywhere. He's the Reese Mogg of the... Uh, he he yeah. is everywhere. He's talking about everything all the time. In fact, 
on Sunday at half past twelve, he's doing two fringe events at the same time. At the same time, and they're not next door to each other. Either. There's How's some he distance do away. That? Well, who knows? But cloning? I don't know. Well, talking of um, sinister, futuristic. Yeah. <laughs> well, Labour Party are also obsessed at the fringe this year with artificial intelligence. Are they? Yeah, they've got a couple of decent fringes, um, <laughs> which are, which are, I also wake up in a cold sweat about artificial intelligence. I'm convinced that the robot war is coming. Skynet is. Yeah. Yeah. Elon Musk. Right. <laughs> He's a fellow who agrees with me. Elon. Well, he does agree with you. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. I've got rich, important people who agree with me, and yeah. Labour are going to discuss. Maybe, maybe Chuck is going to introduce his hyperloop in between these two meetings. That's where Elon I was going. Hyperloop. I'm glad, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you've got that. But one of the um, one of the fringes is, and I'm, I'm not. This isn't a joke. This is an actual fringe event, and also it's not funny. It's an actual important issue. Yeah, go on. Uh, is artificial intelligence sexist? Right. Which is an important question actually, because Siri is a sort of secretary. Yeah. Alexa. Alexa. Similarly. Siri can be a man, though. Siri can be oh, a can man. Oh, can it? Yeah. My wife's phone, Siri's a man. Oh, well. On my phone, it's a... It's instructive. We say more, more, more about It's an instructive and... podcast, isn't it? Is artificial intelligence sexist? Who's leading that one? John well, Prescott? I, I, <laughs> yes, yes. John's yeah. going to be there. Excellent, yeah. 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 And Siri. <laughs> John Prescott and Siri in conversation. John Prescott punching Alexa. Yeah, so that so that should be fun. But um, that would be a remarkable what, meeting of minds, wouldn't it? What do we, do we think? Um, Kia also will address conference, obviously. But do yes. we think there's going to be anything about Brexit in Jeremy's speech? Well, I think obviously it's going to it's going to come up, isn't yeah. it? But yeah. this is this is going to be a very safe and cuddly and. You know, you might even say stage managed in the way, in the sort of the way that people like Jeremy Corbyn and John McDonnell used to complain that the Mandelson Blair yeah, Brown yeah. conferences were yeah. stage managed. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, you know, I think that we will, uh, the elephant will be in the room, but it will not be named very often. It'll be sat quietly yeah. towards the back. I think so, yeah. I agree. I don't think we're going to get... There's nothing in it, is there? For, there's no, nothing in it for either wing of them to rock the boat now. No. No, there is. but also, also, let's just be honest about it. I, I hear from numerous Labour sources, pretty decent ones, that Jeremy simply isn't that bothered about Brexit. Yeah, he's not that bothered. Yeah, well, it's McDonald define an issue of the age. So McDonald, why should he be? McDonald wants a hard Brexit. Yeah, I hear that all the time. I can believe that. And Kia, who's doing a pretty good job, I think, is you know has got has got to buffer against this leadership that aren't that bothered about his job. Yeah. Um, so there you go. The Lib Dem conference next with Jerry Scott. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858 438840 and quoting Podcast One or order online at our website www.neweuropean.co.uk. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to the New European. Welcome back, and I'm joined by Jerry Scott. Hello. We are going to talk a little bit about Lib Dem Conference in Glorious Bournemouth, which has just ended. Let's start with the serious bits first. And how did you think Vince did? Vince, so Vince obviously used to be a lecturer, didn't he? University lecturer. And I do think that his speech came off more 
Monday morning 9am lecture than um, than rousing political inspiring speech um, there was a lot about Brexit in there obviously and it all garnered quite a polite applause but nothing really more than that I mean he started off with a pretty bold claim that it was perfectly plausible that he could become the next Prime Minister um, yeah I there was some interesting. It was some interesting bits in there, and obviously there was a lot about Brexit. Yeah. Now, how these things work? If you if you don't, you know, Jerry, of course. But if the listener doesn't know, is that on the day before the big speeches, we get a briefing. Journalists get a briefing, mm-hmm. or certain journalists, lobby journalists, get a, a briefing, so that they can put something in the paper the next day, and people who might be interested will read it, and then will tune in to get the full speech. Absolutely. That's the thinking behind it. Now. I got that briefing on Monday and it had this incredible phrase in there which I reported on, as others did, which said, if Jeremy Corbyn were to sit on the fence any longer, the serrated edge will slice him in two. Which conjures up a very violent and not very pleasant image, No, frankly. no. I mean, that's put next to... Um, so it's standing up and saying it was time to end tribal politics and be grown-ups yeah. about things. Well, by the time <laughs> he came to make his speech, he had got rid of that yes. bit of briefing quite quite sensibly, although it did it was a bit too late for the media to, to not notice, of course. But also, what kind of fences has Sir Vince got there if you sit on in the slice in two? High security. Don't try and burgle Vince Cable's house. So there was, But there was uh, lots of Brexit in there, pretty much all Brexit, in fact, wasn't it? Yeah, but at the same time kind of trying to steer away from being a Brexit-only party. But, yeah, he branded Brexiteers as masochists. Yeah. And, yeah, basically said this referendum they won isn't a second referendum, but it's a referendum on the facts. Yeah, that was an important point, yeah. actually. And and I think he's I think he's done some quite clever phrasing there. Mm-hmm. And, again, he was saying, you know, if, if you truly do believe in democracy like the... The people, the Brexiteers often say, mm. then why are you concerned about another referendum once we've got the, you know, a, a, a deal or a no deal in place? Yeah, absolutely. And I do think he's right when he said, you know, it's the biggest battle for them of their political lives, but, you know, it's the biggest political decision that's been made by us lot for a long time. Yeah. And should it be voted on again? I mean, if it's that important, like you say, you'd think, yeah. But. No, he said it, the party shouldn't be completely defined by Brexit and they shouldn't be a UKIP in reverse. But I think it's a little bit difficult sometimes to see what else they've got at the moment because the rest of it is all, you know, it's kind of well-trodden Lib Dem policies, votes at 16, PR and elected House of Lords, stuff we've heard before. He's not had a great deal of time, I would suggest, to find something really progressive. No, no, um, that's and true. And really... Uh, you know, eye-catching. I think uh, Brexit is a, obviously the big issue. So, but I think actually he's offered a bit, a little bit more of a sensible stance than uh, not. It's not a different stance, but in the way that he has sold it in that speech, I yeah. thought I thought that it was more cleverly put than maybe Mr. Farron had done during the election. I'd agree, and you know, Vince is measured, isn't he? He's stable, and it's he. I think he's a good pair of hands, but... He's a good pair of feet as well. Is he? Yeah, Strictly. He was on Strictly. Oh, of course he was. <laughs> I'm yeah. still trying to get Ed Balls out of my head. So, fine, but the party kind of seems to think that what they're gunning for is spot on, but that it's the wrong time for them. 
Yeah, got, gone are the days, sadly, for the Lib Dems um, when every coffin spit of their conference was, was covered. I mean, it's simply yeah. not the case now. I checked on, after Vince had done his, his speech and the, the, the BBC website wasn't even on their homepage. No, and people were leaving, you know, before the speech was done. I think at one point he kind of said, um, it said something which sounded like he was rounding up but wasn't and mm. quite a few people stood up to leave. And Yeah, I think they need to, I think, I think they've got, Plenty to build on the Lib Dems, but they've got a lot of work to do to get that enthusiasm back within the party. They have. Um, he did say he's proud of the Lib Dems' record in government, and um, really, I suppose it's just a bit of a shame that the electorate didn't feel the same way. Yeah. There there was a little bit of controversy, though, wasn't there? We, we spoke about Norman Lamb last week, because it was his birthday. We did. And then, the day after his birthday, he quit. Well, yeah. I mean... I think it was a bit of a surprise, really, it, wasn't it? It's a surprise! <laughs> Birthday surprise! <laughs> it was certainly a surprise to me. I didn't see that coming at all, I have to say. Although, looking back, the signs were there. He wrote this piece for Liberator magazine yeah. where he basically um, said that the party were floundering and he wasn't happy with numerous uh, elements of the campaign, yeah. etc. Et and he's got this role, hasn't he, in the science and tech me as well, which he... Um, well, he has, but I don't. I think there's only twelve Lib Dem MPs. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I completely agree. But that is his official reason, isn't it, that he can't it, it, commit it, enough time to both of the roles? Yes. We, okay, and and you know, Norman. Um, we've no reason to to suggest that Norman is telling porkies. No. I'm sure that he will give everything. He's the type of MP that does give everything to a, to a cause if he's got one, and if you know the science and technology uh, chair of, the, of that select committee will, like you say. Be a, be a big role, so I'm sure he'll give it his all. I just wonder if on the on the Sunday of Lib Dem conference was the time to make yeah. it public. But one source in story written by your good self did say that timing was meant to be damaging, and that that was kind of planned. Um, I think maybe that's right, but not in not in a malicious way. In mm. a kick up the arse, yeah, yeah. let's sort this out type kind of way i mean it kind of goes back to what i was saying about the the same policies like kind of touted again and again both norman and also paddy ashdown have come out to say that the party needs to think big yeah and they're gonna struggle yeah and radical norman said radical on a few occasions in that in that article they certainly weren't radical under tim farron i would suggest no no a bit meh it's really the way that oh, shrug your shoulders. Yeah, okay. Fine. <laughs> We're talking of Tim. Yeah. What, what about his speech? Well, <laughs> the bit that, um, that has caught me from Tim Farron at um, conference is he's declared himself as the party's leading authority on rap. Yes. Which, you know, I couldn't well, possibly dispute. I don't have any evidence who, to the contrary. Well, I'm trying to think who else within the Lib Dems might, might be a rap fan. And see Joe Swinson. Joe Swinson being a bit of a, yeah, but maybe not, maybe not a sort of American no, gangster no. rap. But more like the streets, do you think? Uh, I was thinking more like PJ and Duncan. Uh huh. Sure. Yeah. Great. <laughs> um, but uh, Tim's Tim's favourite is uh, Jay Z. Apparently, yes. um, he said that the party had a niche dance on Brexit. Um, and went on to say that they've got 99 problems, but the niche ain't one. See, it doesn't really work, that, does it? Because the title of that song is 99 Problems and a Bitch Ain't One. Uh, yes. <laughs> and niche. 
Don't, not really not quite like, the same word, is it? No. If they'd have had a policy on a ditch, <laughs> <laughs> you know, some kind of fill the ditch. And he was DJing at the Lib Dem. Uh, infamous Lib Dem <laughs> disco. Infamous yeah, um, he was, and uh, hasn't been a good year for him all round, has it? Because he came second he came in that. Second. I don't know who did win either, though. So um, do, do we know? Have we have we got a playlist from Tim's? Well, it would have been Jay Z, definitely. Obviously, probably definitely big pimping. I wonder if there's any gospel on there. <laughs> well, well, they. I think. Monday morning was when he offered reflections to the prayer group, so he would have mm-hmm. had enough time to recover from from big pimping on absolutely, night. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> also at the Lib Dem disco, activists <laughs> took part in a uh, good old angry rendition of Rage Against the Machines, "Killing in the Name." Who are well. they raging? Who are they raging against? I, I, this is something I can't imagine. The Lib Dems raging about anything, really. Well. I don't know really. themselves. So it's that kind. Of, that's that's quite Lib Dem esque. I feel. I still don't think they'd rage. I think they just did. You know. I think they're a bit more measured. Be mildly disappointed. Oh. No. To sum up the uh, conference, uh, one activist described the mood as uh, vaguely optimistic, yeah. which I think was. Do you know? Yeah. What? I think that is. I think that's about right. Yeah. Really. I think they've got. Um, I think they've got some things to. I think Joss Winston when she. Uh, when she becomes leader, which let's face it, is only a matter of a yeah, couple of years, I would have thought, it is is potentially a dynamic leader. Mm-hmm. I think Vince is the right man for the job right now. Yeah, I think uh, they are. Um, they I both do still carry baggage from the coalition, though. I think they'll. I think they'll be all right. Yeah. I think they'll be all right. I don't think Tim Farron did an awful job. No. To be perfectly honest, I just think that now is not the right time for the Lib Dems. Mm-hmm. But I think they can. I think they can build, and I, th- I think it was a, an okay conference. Mm-hmm. Jerry, thanks very much for that. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back. It's time to crown the Brexiteer of the Week. Steve. Oh, well, lots of people could have won the worst Brexiteer of the Week this week. Uh, Michael Gove for using the phrase brothers from another mother to describe (laughs) his friendship with David Davis and Liam Fox. Now, I mean, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Uh, Michael... Michael Gove with the with, with the uh, with the the Bronx slang there. It's the I think it's the worst use of that phrase. On the film, there will be blood. A great film, right? Yeah, yeah. I love what I loved it. Apart from the moment when the guy who's pretending to be Daniel Day Lewis's brother says, "We are brothers from another mother." It's a phrase which was invented in the 1980s or the <laughs> 1990s. It's a hip hop slang phrase. So, uh, so Michael Gove using it is has uh, probably put the tin lid on that one, and you're reminded of the great meme with uh, Steve uh, Buscemi. Uh, How are you doing, fellow kids? Um, Tim Martin, <coughs> owner of Weatherspoons. Mm. I love Tim Martin. I love to hate Tim Martin. Mm. Uh, he's the sort of the scrappy do of the licensing trade, isn't he? <laughs> he has said, um, in the manner of a punter who has been fortified by a couple of 10 a.m. Stellars at Weatherspoons, that if the EU doesn't back down, he's not going to serve any more EU products. Right. And he said that that, that is going to hurt the EU much oh. more than it will hurt Britain and him. God, I, I, I imagine that. Barney is well. That's, that, that could be it now. Yeah, he could yeah. be quite. He's probably quaking in his boots, isn't yeah, he? I imagine he really is. Yeah. So yeah, and pro- presumably he's banned as well, isn't he? From the the sort of the ten a.m. Copperberg and uh, and a full English. You've got to go a long way to be banned from from, from spoons. spoons. Yeah, you um, do. Trust you do. Me. That's true. 
There's an article by Tim Martin in the new issue of Weatherspoons magazine. Always good reading, I find, in there. Absolutely. It says that Brexit is working because the since the referendum, I'm quoting here, since the referendum, the economy has created a stunning 300,000 new jobs. Yes. Do you know how many new jobs were created in the year before the referendum? I do. It's 500,000, it isn't it? It was more. <laughs> it was more. Nice one, Tim. Well done. <laughs> Uh, we're going to turn now to Alan Bone. He is a major donor for UKIP. He's a former bookie. He, as such, he likes to cover his bets. On September the 3rd, he backed Jane Collins' bid for the party leadership. He became her political referee, uh, which is not... He's not got a yellow card. He just uh, stood up for her. Six days later now, September the 9th, he has endorsed Peter Whittle ah. to be the leader. Yeah. So he's endorsed two of them. Yeah. And he said he's he's fully behind both of them, and it's not unusual to endorse two candidates. Yep, it's not unusual. In a first-past-the-post election, it is quite unusual, isn't it? It is quite unusual. There's, there is still time for him to endorse Anne-Marie Waters, obviously, who, is, as we've said, is going to win. No. But the worst Brexiteer of the week is Greg Hans. He is an international trade minister, and he went to Bucharest and made a tub-thumping speech about prospects for British business there. And on Twitter, he declared, there are top opportunities for UK exporters in Romania, including infrastructure, energy, healthcare, financial services, and more. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there something <laughs> going to happen in the next couple of years which will make trading with Romania, which is part of the EU, Greg? Quite difficult. Who briefs these idiots? I've got no idea. But Greg Hands, careless hands, the Brexiteer of the week. What do you think of Nigel Farage? I think it's a f- Listen, we've been we asked you guys for a better name for Brexiteers. Yes. What should we call now? I've been handed our social media team. I have this, in my hand. They have just a sheet of handed paper. me a sheet of paper, and well, wank- yeah, that was on it. Yeah. <laughs> So basically, we can't read any of them out. But uh, there are a few that aren't sweary. So yeah, let me see. Ignorati. Yes, Mark that's Kiernan a said that. that. Kieran, rather. That is good. Dave Marsh. David Marsh, who said broke satires. There was a lot of Rexiteers. Yeah. Uh, David Nicholson Cole was, was one that said that. There was a lot of Brextremists. Yeah. Richard Hughes was one person who said that. We've used that one. Should we pick another? Uh, Brenemies of the people. Brenemies of the people, Fabio Cosenza said that. Chris Egan said delusionist. There were quite a lot of those. I tell you, there was also quite a lot of people who said you shouldn't do name-calling, this is part of the problem, etc., etc. <laughs> but I, I just enjoy it, frankly. Yeah. Brexcreeters. Brexcreeters. <laughs> That's the best one. Monty Waters said that. Well done, Monty. Brexcreeters. We, Brexcreeters, we had an awful lot of the ones. the one that I really like. Ian Lazell was among quite a few who said quitlings and boss hog said little quitlers <laughs> very good thank you steve that was the new european podcast thank you very much for listening if you haven't already please do go out and buy the newspaper there's tons of stuff in there it's not just politics it's not just brexit there is culture art fashion sport there's even a crossword next week i will be at ukip conference wish me luck steve anglesey will take the reins 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.